Sarah, how's it going? Tom. Oh, it's good. (laughs) (sighs) Just working. It's as good as it can be given the circumstances that we live in right now. Yeah. All states uh, trying to fight terrorism. Uh, Yeah. Global pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Yeah, it's a weird time. Um, And hold on one second. I'm just going to. Just had to plug in my computer so it wouldn't die. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's, no, uh, it's been a it's been a weird time, and I feel very fortunate the position I'm in, given what it could be like. You know, for other so many people are really suffering right now, and so whenever I feel really stressed, um, I try to remember that. But also, I think we also have to allow ourselves to feel because, like, my yeah. husband and I were like we're living through something unprecedented, like in our <laughs> lives. Like we've never been, you know, and we're used to it, used to it by now. Right, right. But we're not really fully understanding the like psychological damage <laughs> that it's doing. Oh, for sure. Um, like we got into a really big fight like a week ago and we were like, oh, it's like hitting us again. <laughs> I mean, it's hit us multiple times, but like <laughs> I think in LA, it's been really the past everywhere but in LA it's been so bad yeah since mid December and it's we've gotten more strict yeah um yeah. and like we haven't even been inside a store um and that's like a privilege to be able to stay home because you don't have a have <laughs> to go somewhere to work is yeah a privilege but it feels it's just so crazy it's just yeah well it's just full isolation like we we punish yeah. people with that. Like Right. And I mean, even I have a friend who's single and and she's like, on one hand, I'm glad I'm not going through this with anyone. Yeah. Because it would drive me insane. But on the other hand, you know, she's incredibly lonely. So it was like there's just no balance for anyone. Like you're either stuck with someone all the time that's that maybe you love but they're driving you insane or you're with no one and then you're alone you know it's like I went from being alone a lot like I, I'm a, I, I like to spend a lot of time alone and I go on the road and I would be like I would love that being right. alone you know and now I'm like with my husband all the time. And we just moved to a place where we live like in a guest house on a friend's property. And so we got like two new people plus their child. And I love them, but I (laughs) went from being very much a loner to being like, Oh, there's people all the time. So, um, it's an adjustment, but again, of all the problems to have during this experience, mine are very chill compared to most. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we all have our crazy shit. You know, and the mental toll, the emotional yeah. toll is significant. Yeah. We'll find it, out. It's not the- normal. Like no. nothing we're doing is normal and I I can see the video like my Scott my husband knows that like when I mute the TV or when I pause the TV and I'm like I put on I'm like oh shit Karen video like I can't not watch a video of a Karen <laughs> yeah going yeah. crazy in public and especially the mask ones 
um, where there's oh, women, yeah. you know, getting in trouble, getting kicked out for not wearing masks, getting arrested for, for you know, throwing a fit, you know, <laughs> um, over masks. And I just see children melting down. Like, that's what I see when I see that person. I see a, a mental child. Like, this person has never had to, I don't, I see, people are losing it. And yeah. I see that person is dealing with it in their way, which is really destructive and bad (laughs) (laughs) and making this so much harder for everyone else. And I get really mad when I see people just being, I even get mad. Like I walk every morning to get out alone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I do it when I see someone approaching that isn't wearing them, I have a rule, like I'll wave and say, good morning if you're masked up, but if you don't have a mask on, you don't, you get ice from me. Now you can't tell because I'm masked up and have sunglasses on, but I am giving you the evil eye as I walk by. Yeah. And I, I get, I, I get aware. I, I always like give way a lot of space, even to people that are masked up. I'm like, I'm out in the street. We're not going to cross each other on the sidewalk. Like I did that yesterday. Just to be safe. Where someone was just like, they were, they were walking towards me no mask. And I just looked at them. I, I <laughs> pulled my sunglasses down, stared at them, made sure they saw me, and then just looked them in the eye while walking into the street just to be super dramatic about it. Yeah. Like real, yeah, I'll do that sometimes where I'll go be like walking and then I just go mm, like, <laughs> I'm going around you. Notice my, my gate yeah. is angry. I mean, I get it outside the right. chances of getting it, walking someone by. I understand that. But we are now in a, I was thinking about this today. I was like, it isn't that big of a deal if you're not wearing a mask outside and no right. one's around. Even walking by someone, maybe not that big of a deal. You're not around right. them enough and the air is circulating all around you. I understand that. It's the principle of the thing and it's the situation that we're in as a culture where masks have become political. Yeah, and there's yeah. so much drama around it. And it, to me, sends a signal. You know, the little girl that I live in my, like, bubble here with. Yeah. We were in a parking lot, and she's riding her bike. And um, she wanted to take her mask off. And she was like, there's no one around. Why do I have to take, to wear my mask? And her mom was, like, explaining, like, you know, this is something we do. Like, we were both telling her, like, this is something that we do to, to someone does come over here. They know that they're safe around us. This is a signal I'm giving to the world that I care about you and I'm following the protocol. And I just think now it's a social thing when you're outside more than it is an actual safety thing. But things are just so crazy that we, I wear the mask when I'm out walking at all times, unless I'm sipping my water, just to send a signal. Yeah. I'm one of the people that wears the mask. Yeah. (laughs) You can trust me. (laughs) Um, you know how uh, uh, Starbucks a little while ago for their ice drinks they changed the lid so you oh, can yeah. drink straight out of it. I started just jamming straws in there so I could just slip it up under my mask. Oh yeah, you can go. Yeah, I have yeah. this, and it could kind of go up the mask. Oh yeah, you know, I just it's not quite long <laughs> enough, and it starts getting. Now, I have this problem though. Is sometimes when I'm out, I'll get like mask sweats or like if I'm walking too long and it's hot out or something. So sometimes I will have it lower 
But if I'm 30 feet away from somebody, I'll slip it back on. Yeah, if somebody has the mask and they put it back on as they're approaching, that's like the next layer down where I'm like, okay, you're cool. But if I don't see a mask on you, yeah, and you're just walking around without the mask, I'm like, I don't care that we're on a walk in our neighborhood. Like, yeah, I just don't. And, you know, it's who are you to think that you know better? Yeah. You know, I used <laughs> yeah. to have a joke about that, about um, it was much shorter than it, it didn't really get into the details, but I would just on airplanes when people are like, I don't need to turn my phone off. Right. You know, like it doesn't matter. And I'm like, who are you? Yeah. Are you a fucking aeronautical, like scientific person that understands, like, how come you think you know? Like, unless you can literally land and fly this, you know, right? Fly this plane and land it safely. Like, I don't think you should be deciding what's safe or not on the yeah. plane. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there's a reason there's all these rules. Yeah, there's a league of people who already decided. They figured it out already. Just, yeah. I always say every rule exists because somewhere someone died. <laughs> and and I'm a rule follower, so that works for me. I used to tell that on stage, and people didn't like it. They were like, "That's too dark." I was like, "Yeah, you ride." I was like, "You ride down the road, and you see the sign that says bump." You're like, "Oh, it's a little bump. Who cares?" No, because before that, there was like a, a, a roadside memorial with like stuffed animals, and like it was too sad. So instead, they just put up the bump sign. Uh, it didn't really work, but. Every rule exists because someone died. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other examples, but um, stoplights, I guess. Um, yeah. Most safety rules. Most safety rules. Yeah, yeah. Exist because someone died. <laughs> or, you know? Yeah, well, I'm trying to think of the exceptions too. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm having a brief okay, Yeah, I mean, there's you know, harm. Sure. Reduce harm. It's not death related, but yeah, like, um, it reminds me of those ad. I've been seeing a lot of, um, drug ads lately where there's a new warning that I've never heard before. And it's so crazy. It's like, you know, do not take Abilify if you are breastfeeding or pregnant, like those types yes. of warnings at the end yeah. of a drug commercial, hundred percent. Thanks for the warning. I won't do it if I'm that person. But now there's a new one I've been seeing pop up and I'm like, I want to know the lawsuit that led to this. It was like, do not take this drug if you are allergic to this drug. Yeah, I heard that yesterday. How am I supposed to know <laughs> yeah. if I'm allergic to it unless I've taken it? And what moron needs to be warned? Right. Don't take a drug that you're allergic to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and like, like, Aren't doctor just do a blood test, see if the chemicals in that will affect me negatively, and we're good. Yeah, it's done. It's it's very strange. I don't, you know, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're allergic to it, like, but I'm like, I want to know what happened. I want to know why that disclaimer started showing up because I've seen it in more than one drug commercial now. Ooh. And I'm like, there's some law or rule that was passed or some precedent set in a, in a lawsuit. You know, a lot of rule, a lot of that kind of shit disclaimers exist because somebody um, sued the company. Right. 
you know See, that's i've been on like i don't know i'm i'm hungry for like a good scheme and you mean you want to fall for a scheme or you want to learn about a scheme i want to develop a scheme you want to be a schemer yeah and okay. well i mean i don't do it cuz i feel like i'd probably feel bad after but <laughs> <laughs> the just a little to think of suing over the allergy argument is brilliant. Yeah. Because it should go without saying. Like, right. don't it buy means, these peanuts if you're allergic to them. It, it almost, to me, tells me that somebody was successful. Yeah. In suing a company going, hey, I took this drug and I'm allergic to it and then I got sick. So, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Pay me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's... I would love to interview someone who writes those and explain to me the reasoning behind some of them. I get the like, you know, that all the disclaimers of like, here are the symptoms and here are the warnings and, you know, but that one, I was like, this feels created by a lawsuit or legal precedent of some kind. Because it should go without saying. Yeah. Or, I mean, it would be like, don't buy this car if you don't know how to drive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember the the lawsuit. Everyone always mentions the McDonald's lawsuit where the old lady burnt right. herself. And they're like, it said hot. You know, it's like, right. okay, but what in what universe? Like if you go back and like read all the stuff about the lawsuit, she got what she does, she got the money she deserved. It was not outlandish. Like, in what universe should coffee be so hot that <laughs> it gives you third degree burns? Right. None, none. And so I also learned from a friend who was in a civil suit and won. And I was there in the courtroom for like the decision from the jury and the money and all this stuff. It was so dramatic. And I went, I was, I testified in it. It was like, I've, I've learned, I learned, I would just, I'm like, people should just go sit and watch a court case because I think the public is allowed to go watch cases. Really? Some of them, yeah, not all of them, but like you're, you're like when I would go into the courthouse, I didn't have to say why I was there. That's kind of sick. I think a judge can tell people to leave and like, you know, sometimes I would be in there and I mean, yeah, people can just come in. Um, if you're like testifying it, there's certain points where you can't be in the courtroom, you know, like whatever. Right, right. So I was there and I learned from being around her lawyers and then watching them argue the case, I didn't know the difference between criminal, uh, sorry, um, punitive damages and I can't remember the other damages, what they're called. There's two types of damages. Yeah, I don't know. There's the first kind, which is like paint, if, fuck, I'm now forgetting it, but it's, <laughs> it's the like, here's what you're paying this person for their pain and suffering, like for oh, their, okay. you know, their, pain that that you caused them you are here is what you are doing to make it up to them okay and then there's punitive damages which are the type of damages that are meant to teach a lesson and they now lo- no longer have to do with you the individual suing them it has to do with making sure that it hurts the the defendant they've already been found guilty by the jury of you know they've been found liable i guess right. is the correct term it's not a criminal case um, they've been found liable 
and they have been found, um, you know, there's two steps. It's like, you're liable for it. And then you were like, you know, I can't remember all the terms now. They're very easy terms. <laughs> you were intentional. You know, you did it on purpose and you fucking suck. Like that right. second level, you know? Um, right, right. And with prejudice or something like that. There's, there's all these terms. <laughs> I'm just throwing stuff out. Sustained. <laughs> I object. Um, and leading the witness. You know, I just throw out stuff. Um, yeah, you but came in no. hot being a legal expert. No. Yeah. <laughs> and then it all fell apart. <laughs> but no, the... Um, Punitive damages are meant to teach a lesson and to like hurt the 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 defendant, the liable party, so that they won't do it again. Like it's it's meant okay. to like and to be a message. And that's why those can be really big. Like that's what you know, like the person right. being sued in this case was a billionaire. Oh shit. And they the lawyer was like, my friend's lawyer was like, I'll never forget this. I almost burst out laughing in the courtroom. I mean, the jury's face, I wish I could have had a video of it. He goes, so he's a billionaire. He goes, let's look at how much a billion dollars is. So he holds up this foam core and it's got green money bags, a thousand of them printed out. That's a lot, like a thousand. Imagine a thousand, you know, like this shirt, like a bunch of money bags, (laughs) you know, on a thing, a thousand of them. And he's like, here's $30 million. And it was just a tiny, and he had like a second poster. Oh, shit. And it showed how little $30 million is. Like, I think a lot of people don't understand how much a billion dollars is. And like, knew they would be really mad that they were billionaires and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and he showed that like on on the poster, 30 was like this tiny little corner. You know, and he's like, that's how much money we're asking for. And like, you know, it has to be enough for the person to feel it and be mad. Right. You know, that they know this is what we do to people who do this. This is us as a society saying, no, we do not accept it. And I was like, that made me understand like why sometimes there's huge, huge money rewards in cases that seem not not financial or that the that that doesn't make sense but when you look at the details it's like oh that's why that's why he got slapped with that much money you know damages so yeah damn anyway just a little trip <laughs> down so if you're going to scheme make sure you go after somewhere someone or some entity that has a lot of money you know yeah yeah yeah, like they have large sums that are forgettable. Yeah. That they can just Well, and like lose. that's the the jury, you know, juries I'll never like I never tried to get out of jury duty before. Like I've never gotten that far where I've been even questioned. I've always just been dismissed because, you know, the day ended and they didn't need a jury or something like that. Like right. oh, they settled, we, you know, we don't have to you know, the guy took a plea. Okay, everybody can go home, you know. So I've never gotten that far, but like after sitting in that courtroom, I'll, I'll never try to get out of jury duty. Really? Like, because someone's future, people's lives are hanging in the balance of having people on your jury that are paying attention, that want to be there. Not want is a relative term, but like <laughs> that are feeling like it's their duty to be thorough because it's really, really grueling. And it is like if I was ever in the other side, I would want a jury that cared and was like intelligent and could understand. Not that I think mm. I'm, you know, all this great person as being a jury, but that that would take it seriously. Take it seriously, I think is the term that I mean okay. to say. But 
Um, yeah, I think uh, a jury, you know, that jury's face when he held up that sign with the money bags. I mean, they were like, <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, like, they were like, I mean, she didn't get 30 million, but she got a lot. I won't, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's not Damn. secret information. Like, um, right, right. Like, I've even posted, I posted about it when it came through, but I don't want to like tell her stories for her. Sure. But yeah, it was just like, wow. You know, these were people, you don't know what walk of life, you can't tell by looking at them generally like what walk of life they come from, but you have to assume really rich people get out of jury duty. Oh yeah. You know? I, I will. And most I mean, of them do. I got out of it like two weeks ago. Nice. <laughs> so now you're making me feel guilty, but. I mean, look, <laughs> I would be so upset if I got picked to be on a jury. <laughs> like, I would be like, yeah. I don't want to. It's so stressful. I don't want to be a part of it. So I yeah. understand. But if yeah, they, if the lawyers thought that I was the right person for it, I would just answer all the questions honestly and be like, you decide. Right, right. You know? Well, I, I just, I think they should just pay people more to be on juries. Like, right, what like, they do is $15 you? a day. Yeah, I don't understand that part of it. It's like, I get it's a civic duty, but like, you should be making a little bit more money. Yeah. Like minimum wage? Like, is that even? It would make more sense. I guess that would be a lot of money when you add it all up, but. Yeah, but the thing is, you're taking up people's time. They can't work. Yeah. I mean, it's weird though. I think they must do something to like, get the jury on board because I mean, you could tell by the end that the jury was like fucking done. They were just like, because you know, things would delay it, you know, something would happen and then it'd be like, okay, well we can't finish this today. It's going to be, I mean, I'm my friend. It was being dragged out for my friend. I mean, imagine her feeling. She was like, this is hell. I can't be in this anymore. The guy she was suing was a complete psycho. I mean, like screaming at the judge, like oh, holy okay. shit! I'll just say, I, I I don't want to tell her stories. I won't. I won't. I won't do that. But <laughs> <laughs> just know <laughs> that shit goes down in a courtroom that is crazy. I'll go on jury duty if I can watch billionaires cry. That if they're freaking out, I'll watch that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that. this jury got emotionally invested because it was, and I actually do think that happens. I think that, I mean, my friend was on a jury one time that lasted a month and she was like, it was so yeah. hard. Um, but she's like, once you get into it about one or day, one or two days in, it is, you're invested. Okay. No matter what it's about, you're emotionally invested in it because, you know, a good good lawyers are trying to, you know, be inter- not entertaining, but they're trying to captivate you. They need to keep your attention. They need to keep you listening. And, you know, um, but yeah, I'm sure there's much more boring case types than others. Like I can only imagine <laughs> like car accident type stuff, stuff that shouldn't uh, be going to trial. Like, yeah. Or like, I don't know. Do they still get people in trouble for illegally downloading music? <laughs> can imagine going to trial for that and being like, I refuse to settle. I'll see you in court. Have like literal proof. Yeah. I mean, a whole generation of felons just never got in trouble for it. I know. 
Everyone did it. I did it. You didn't? I did it. Oh, yeah, I did it. Napster. Who who amongst? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's millions and millions and millions of people who should be in jail, technically. Well, that's, it's interesting, you know, because it's like one of those crimes, I guess, was new. Yeah. And we didn't fully understand it in the beginning. There was a, I remember there being a point where I started feeling like it was when iTunes was introduced. Yeah. That I was like, no, I, I want to pay. I, I don't want to steal music anymore. I don't like the way that feels. Yeah. I mean, I, I valued it. I was like, no, I'm, I grew up going to Sam Goody to get my yeah. tapes and my CDs <laughs> was like a, like a huge deal and like a real great source of joy. So yeah. A whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it's funny. That always bothers me when people complain about how much Spotify is a month. I'm like, do you, did you ever buy CDs? Like, right. Imagine how much money you spent. <laughs> yeah. Like $10 a month is basically free. For the amount of hours you use this thing. It's nuts. It's crazy to me that they haven't figured out a way to pay artists more on Spotify though, because you're getting like, so, you know, when you buy a CD, you buy it once right. and then you listen to it however many times you want. But on Spotify, each time you listen to a song that counts as a stream. Right. And you would think that money would add up, but I don't think artists get very much. I think no. it's, I think it's really small. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get, I, I get, um, there's this thing called sound exchange. Okay. Which is where you get paid for when your music or comedy, in my case, is played on the radio, quote unquote. <laughs> and other, I can't figure out, I've never really looked at the breakdown, but you only really make real money when it's playing on like radio. So for comedians, that's, uh, that's, that's serious. Right, right. Um, Spotify, I've never really seen the breakdown of like what you get from Spotify. I think it's very small. But like there's been times where I'm like, I get a check or now direct deposits, but like, I'm like, what the hell? Like $800? <laughs> like what? Who? Yeah, what happened? And I find out, oh, they played your album like in full on like Raw oh, Dog shit. or something like that. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, the Spotify needs to figure something out because we know they have a lot of money. Oh yeah. Like it's, well now I yeah I I know I don't know what they're doing with musicians, but I know because I'm you know just like everyone I'm starting a new podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and I might be going. You know, I'm looking into all the ways to do it and stuff. And um, I was learning about how Spotify you know, shares revenue with podcasters and stuff. And like, you know, there's different ways you can do it. You can do a, a Patreon type tie-in. You can do ads. I'm sure you know about all this stuff. I, I've seen some of it, yeah. But I wonder if musicians are, because you don't run an ad on your song. Like when I play yeah. a song, I don't, you know, so it's weird. I don't know how they... 
I'm like paying money to Spotify. Why isn't any like imagine, I don't know. I just feel like more of that money should go to artists, but totally. It's the reason why we use the app. Yeah. We're not using it for the um the way the green like <laughs> globe logo. <laughs> you know? Yeah, just to look at it. <laughs> no. And so as a writer and t- a TV writer, you know, slash stand-up, and like, you know, the argument that the Writers Guild always makes when we do our deals with the studios is like, you know, you wouldn't have TV without writers. Right. You know, even stuff you don't even realize is written, is written. And it isn't necessarily something everyone can do. But if you're doing it, you're a writer, right. period. You know, it's like, yeah, there are good writers and bad writers. But, you know, sometimes um, to ask for, you know, some people think writers are, I've seen some like backlash against TV writers on um, Twitter lately, like comedy TV writers, like really from stand ups. Like I've seen a little bit of this brewing, like stand ups think TV writers are like not real comedians but like a lot of them aren't but some of them are both like who cares why are you mad at somebody who writes for snl or for whatever show that you don't think is funny like who cares i don't think your stand-up is funny i mean i don't write for snl but like you um, know what it is is that tv writers can still have jobs while stand-up's dead right now well that might be part of the resentment boiling up (laughs) it's true but it was been (laughs) brewing before the pandemic but but i think um People think, and I thought this too when I got into it, that TV writers like make a shit ton of money. And like you can, if you have certain types of jobs, you can make a lot of money as a TV writer and live a very well, very good life. Um, But TV isn't a full-time job. It's very unstable. Um, You know, if you're writing on a scripted show, which the seasons are so much shorter now, you know, you'll know, you know, you notice like when you watch a show, you're like, oh, it's only six episodes or 10 or, you know, eight or whatever. (laughs) used to be 22 episodes for a season, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so you maybe are writing for three months out of the year and then that's it. And you don't get another job, you know? So it's like that I think they've tried to structure things in a way that writers are paid you know, in a way that is commiserate with what they do, but also like where you can live off it. Right. You know, it just depends on the type of show you're wearing. There, I know too much about it and it's boring. Insider speak. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> no, I'm sitting here. I'm just like, money? Yeah, I'll listen about money. Yeah, I mean, you it's know. a great, oh, yeah. like, I think to become a TV writer in conjunction with being a standup, which is what I have done, ha- has enabled me to stay afloat in times when standup was dead for me, even before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, you know, if you can get into it, it is really a great way to stay in your field <laughs> without, right. you know. So it's a whole other side of the business that to me is valid. Just as, I mean, I love TV. I, I've, I've thought a lot during the pandemic, like, am I ever going to even do stand-up again? Like, should I just settle in? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Ideas are fun. <laughs> well, speaking of ideas. Yeah. 
Um, I had you on to talk about a very specific one that you have. And mm-hmm. I'm very interested in finding out more about this. I'm sure... People, people ask me about it all the time. Yeah. Yep. Whatever it is you're about to say, I can tell you. <laughs> it's what I know the world. It's what I'm known for. I have yeah. no idea what you're about to say. <laughs> um why is it that you want softwood floors? Oh, well, first off, it's called getting older and your feet hurt. It's too, it's too, hardwood floors are too hard, bottom line, you know, and they hurt your feet. So when you go softwood, now look, softwood has its drawbacks. Softwood is, um, oftentimes it's wet. Mm. It's filled with mold. Oh no. But it's very comfortable on the feet and it looks great. Am I doing this right? Yeah. I mean, so what you're saying is that you like the feeling of mold against your feet. Well, no, there's a seal on it. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, underneath the house, who knows what's going on? It could be a complete mess under there, but um, you put a seal on it, a sealant. Okay. And then it makes it shiny, but it's just a nice little bounce under your foot. And mm. um, it is all the rage, you know, Architectural Digest has been talking about it. Um, Chip and Joanna have been featuring softwood floors throughout <laughs> their homes that they've been renovating. And, um, you know, I'm, it's best if it's reclaimed wood. Mm. So um, like balsa wood from someone's school project or uh, balsa wood is softwood you dear dear child balsa wood is so thin (laughs) it is very soft though it's easy to whittle um have you ever tried to cut into balsa wood uh i think i did once so balsa wood um if you don't know is wood that a lot of craft people like to use. And um, if you're, especially if you're someone who makes dollhouse furniture or miniatures, which I do, and uh, well, I dabble. I'm not a full-blown dollhouse furniture maker, but I have renovated a dollhouse and I, you know. Wow. uh, This is real, yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, But when I was renovating my dollhouse, I was learning about balsa wood and how you can, if you're good with a knife, you can like carve it into shapes and stuff like piece, little legs for, you know, a coffee table and stuff. I just would take an exacto knife to it and just, you can even cut balsa wood with scissors. Like that's how (laughs) soft that wood is. So if you had a thick enough piece, it could count as softwood flooring and, um, it would be really nice on your foot. Yeah. I mean, most of it is too thin. The softest of all woods is sourced usually from old barns. Oh, okay. Um, and you got to let it sit. You know, you let the barn collapse. And then okay. you let it sit through a winter, you know. Mm. You let the snow 
fall on top of it. And then that water melts in the spring and it seeps into the old barn wood. Then summer comes and it dries it off. And now you've got soft wood. Whoa. So it's a real process. Yeah. I can't imagine it's cheap. No, it's very expensive. And mainly people like it because one, the comfort on your foot. Okay. The cushioning, the cushioning. It's like memory foam. If you've ever felt memory foam, it's like that. Yeah, yeah. Walking through memory foam. But people also really like it because it's, they can brag about how they sourced the wood from, you know, a barn in north northwestern Montana. And right. the barn was settled in the 1800s. And now that wood is in their home. And it's been gone through the process of softening. Wow. And so... It's artisanal and bespoke. Shit. Which is all the trend. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so in order to get it, are there companies or something yeah, that are buying um, these barns mm-hmm. and letting them go yeah. through this? It's, um, yeah, there's a couple companies. One that I really like is called, um, they're called Softies, Softies Wood Co. Okay. Softies Wood Co. <laughs> <laughs> they're great. It's run by this guy, Chad, and his wife, Danessa. Okay. And Chad and Danessa are, uh, they are, are, they're wood, softwood hunters, you could even call them. You know, they, they drive around and they look for structures that are on the verge of collapse. And then they, they go to the owner of that land and they kind of like, they manipulate them into sure. giving them the wood. You know, they don't tell them like, oh, this is really stuff. It's really expensive if you... You know, they just go, oh, it looks like it's about to fall. How about we make a deal? Let, let it fall through the winter. And then we'll come get it in June. And we'll, we'll take it out off your hands. No questions asked. Yeah. And so they end up getting the source material for free. Chad and Vanessa oh, are very, very clever that way. But it reminds me of, I don't know if you ever read about these, this mother and daughter in the early days of eBay. They became not wealthy, but they made six figures by collecting and selling tumbleweeds. Hmm. You know, like a tumbleweed in a in a movie. You know, the like western where it's like rolling across the street. I saw a giant one the other day. Yeah, where are you? Well, I'm I'm in Glendale, but yeah, (laughs) they exist. They're rolling along though. Yeah. She lived somewhere where there were a lot of them, maybe like Texas or something. And she just was like, you know what? I feel like people would buy these now that there's a way for me to like, and they just, it would be cheap to send them in a box. Yeah. Because they're so lightweight. Yeah. And like artists and set designers and like people would buy them from, and they just were the first ones that figured out how to sell tumbleweeds. This is, it's real. Holy shit. Yeah. So found source material, always a great way, a great business model. And, um, you know, there's a lot of regulations like um, for softwood, the Softwood Council of America has, you know, laid out some guidelines. Mm. You can, sorry, 
you can only can you not like cross state lines or something with it like how does that work you have to prove um it has to be there's like you know how hot peppers have scovels to see how hot they are you know like yeah. a like a ghost pepper has a hundred thousand scovels and then something like the hottest pepper like a million or something like that a jalapeno is like 200 you know like yeah, it's yeah. like a like like a ten, like a Fahrenheit scale or you know the Scoville scale for the um, Scoville Scoville. I have no uh, idea, but I understand what you're getting heat. at. So for barn soft wood, there's a softness scale, and it's called the um, it's <laughs> it's called the mush scale. So it's like, <laughs> is it two degrees mushy? Not mushy, sorry. Is it two mushes or is it 12 mushes? <laughs> is it 700 mushes? And it has to reach at least 200 mushes for you to be able to harvest it. Otherwise, you're not allowed to mess with it. Whoa. Okay. So minimum of 200 mushes. Um... Yeah. And you want, it's like thread count on sheets. You know, you want the higher the mush scale, the mush count. Okay. The higher the mush count, the more valuable the softwood. So then at what point on the mush scale does it just become like pulp, like a woody pulp? Right. So that's the thing. It's just like a fine wine. You know, it's like, wow, the older doesn't necessarily mean better, you know? Okay. Um, like at some point, the wine starts to turn and there's that magic moment where it's perfectly aged before it starts to turn that you drink it. Same thing with mush, you know, up to about <laughs> 1000 mush. <laughs> I have no idea if this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, softwood is like a real thing that you were supposed to be talking about. I have no idea. I just knew it was the opposite of hardwood floor. <laughs> <laughs> you go up to a thousand. Sorry, let's please stay on track. Um, go, my bad, my bad. <laughs> go up to a thousand mush scale. You know, it's that point that it does start to become pulpy and you can't put the sealant on it and it can't, you can't walk on anymore it's like quicksand oh okay mm -hmm. wow so it is that delicate balance and that's why it is so artisanal and it is you know it's those perfect things combining to create a fashionable wood floor that you can brag to your friends about but also feel very comfortable you don't have to wear you know when you most people when they reach a certain age they cannot walk around the house without either slippers or shoes on without okay. their feet starting to hurt. And this type of floor, you don't need that. You don't need to worry about that. And you don't need to um, ever wear any sort of support on your feet when you've got softwood floors. Wow. Um, so Very difficult to clean though. Yeah, I was going to say, it must be difficult to clean. I would be worried about my furniture sinking into it right so that's why you get special um hardwood uh anchors that you smush down into the wood that holds your <laughs> furniture it's it's a pain in the ass because you know you don't want to be beholden to where you put your furniture but you kind of do have to like okay yeah. this is where the table goes you know okay um but Honestly, do you even need furniture if you have softwood floors? I mean, you can just roll around on the floor. You don't need a chair. Whoa. So it's that comfortable? Yeah. 
Now, now again, under the house, you probably doing, you probably, it's real smelly under there. So you need to seal it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, um, I guess because this is so expensive, mm-hmm. um, is there like a, a, a knockoff market or are they trying to come up with their own, yeah. like, fake laminate or wood yeah, tile. If you go on Amazon, they'll try to sell you a cheap version of softwoods. And um, yeah, there's some like, it's almost like contact paper with a little bit of padding. And they mm. think that that makes the, uh, the softwood faux, faux softwood. Mm. Um, and look, it's maybe a little more <laughs> affordable, but it's not sustainable for the environment. Softwood movement is an eco movement, ultimately. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Because, you know, I believe that we are headed towards global death. And if we don't do things like this, because as moldy and as wet the underside of your house will be. Yes. And up, you know, in between, especially if you do it on second floor, you you don't want to know what's going on between the ceiling and the floor. Right, right. Between the ceiling of your first floor and the bot and the floor of your second floor, it's a it's a nightmare in there. You got to do some special stuff for that. But under your house, you've got a natural ecosystem forming: worms, microbiology happening. It's a whole climate under there. And what you're doing is so that when your house finally falls, right, your house can now become softwood, but it can also become a sustainable farm. Wow. Because mm-hmm. you've got compost essentially happening underneath your house. And then when everything falls down, because that's what, that's the new way. We no longer tear houses down. We, we, we allow them to be biodegradable. Rot. Yeah. They're all biodegradable. No. The houses I live in, I have yeah. a few. Okay. Yeah. And then so like, I'm probably by like the end of your 30-year mortgage, it'll be ready for you to sell the materials. Yep. And that's the thing. I don't, if, 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 if Chad and Danessa ever come to your house, my recommendation is don't let them take that wood for free. Make a deal, make them pay because they're going to turn a pretty penny on it. Sure. And you need to be compensated for the work you put into letting that structure fall. I'm, you know, I'm surprised that they don't have a television show. They, from what I've heard, they were pitching something and yeah. it was, it was like your typical flip this house, but opposite. It was like crush this house. Right. It, it, it turned out to be a pretty boring sizzle reel. A lot of time lapse. Yeah. Just like a lot of sitting there, sun rising, sun setting, sun rising, sun setting, and then coming back and, you know, seeing a uh, structure sort of decaying a little bit. And, you know, it's just a little yeah. boring. They should have done it differently. If they had hired me. Sure. Yeah. You know, to write on it and be the creative showrunner or whatever. I would have gone in a different direction. I would have made it a competition show. Ooh. Who can create the softest softwood? Uh, who can innovate in softwood and who can make, other things out of softwood, you know, not just floors, 
What about fashion? What could you make like a cars? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, there's so much to be done with soft wood, but unfortunately, okay, networks. You know, once you go in and pitch, it's hard to go back. You know, the next day with something different. Totally. They've kind of they've said no to you as a person at that point. <laughs> you you don't wow. take it personally, but you know right, deep down right. they don't want to see your face again. It's tough, but it's how it works. Yeah. So, uh, final thing on softwood: if anyone was interested in getting into softwood or uh, acquiring some. Mm-hmm. What would you say is a fair rate for just like a square foot of softwood? Oh, um, probably seven hundred dollars. Okay, a square foot. Okay, that's really Which, helpful. As much as I know about flooring, that's pretty affordable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've I dabble in all types of flooring. I've settled on softwood floors. Um, for the artisanal nature of it, the sure. slow, you know, how they do slow food. Right, right. You know, yeah, like, crock pot. There's the slow food, no, slow food movement. It's like, it's a, rejecting fast food and processed foods and only going for those foods that were grown locally. And, you know, it's a slow food right. is a movement. Uh, I'm into slow floors. Wow. That that's amazing. Which if you think about it, a lot of floors are slow floors because you let a tree grow for what? Fifty years? Something like that. Then you'd kill it so that you know you can that's have a little nice part. looking floor. Yeah. Slow, slow floors is even slower. Yeah. It, it goes beyond the life of the wood in another structure and then gives it a new life. And it's regenerative. Regener- regenerative. <laughs> and I'm just sick, frankly, I'm sick and tired of the hardwood floor lobby, big hardwood floor. Sure. I'm sick of big hardwood floor trying to spread misinformation about softwood floors. Yeah. Well, you know, if... Uh... If you have any like documentation on that, I can like tweet that out with the episode. Yeah, they they will put out pamphlets that are like softwood floors are poison, softwood floors, you know, they're they're moldy and they say things like this without giving you the full picture. And it's all propaganda. Wow. Well, I appreciate you breaking all this down for us. Yeah. Uh, I definitely have some new insights. And my eyes are open now. I really appreciate this. This is well, amazing. You know, I know that people come to me a lot for my opinions on softwood floors, but a lot of times they'll cut me off and they they try to make it political. Mm. And I'm just really glad that you just let me talk and not correct me at all once on anything I said because that's what a good podcaster does. You know? Yeah. Yeah. A good podcaster doesn't try to deplatform people with different opinions. No. You know, you let the other side speak. Yeah. You know, this is just a a journey in learning. And if people are out here saying what some would say crazy things, I wanna I wanna hear them out. And yeah. 
I want no matter no matter what it does, the damage mm-hmm. it does. I think you should let people speak, and also I think you should pay get people to pay you for it. I agree. And also, yeah. And I think that you are a freedom of speech warrior. In a way. Because you just you just have people come on and they can say anything, literally. Yeah, yeah. You That's know, it's, freedom. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not going to go over there and like tell you what you can and cannot say, but if it's really bad, I could edit it out. But my manager will contact you afterwards if there's anything <laughs> we're worried about. She's on the line right now listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to run this through like 30 people. Yeah, uh, the team needs to, though, you'll be getting some notes back. <laughs> <laughs> they won't make any sense. Not and you'll have time to stamped. the whole episode, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, just feel like this one is really missing the mark. It's like, all right, I guess we have to do it again. <laughs> um, well, before we head out, I do want to get your advice on something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you're funny. You. Do well, that remains comedy. to be seen after the last half hour. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I was enjoying it. I was having a, a grand old time over here. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> uh, funny, you're writing for TV. You're a floor expert. Mm-hmm. Um, you build tiny chairs. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of different experiences, a wealth yeah. of knowledge of the legal system. So I think that. <laughs> You would be perfect to help out in this scenario, this situation. Okay. Uh, what would be your advice uh, for people who like Tweety Bird too much? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know someone who had a Tweety Bird tattoo. Oh. And that person had to cover it up. Oh. As that person got older. <laughs> um, so my advice is, you know what, take that Tweety Bird obsession all the way up to the point of getting a Tweety Bird tattoo and then don't get the tattoo, cut it off right before there. Mm, so you like know? edging, but for your Tweety yeah. Bird passion. Wear your airbrush Tweety Bird t-shirts, you know, your Tweety Bird pants. Tweety Bird pajama bottoms and tops. Put it on your car as a decal or permanent, whatever. But do not get a Tweety Bird tattoo. I can tell you just from experience that you'll regret it. And I'm not the one that got it. I just want to make that clear. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to (laughs) ask. I'm not. I I have worse tattoos than that. I have the, the butterfly tramp stamp. So I can oh. speak from a place of cliche. All right. You know, um, I think that if you're going to get a Tweety Bird tattoo, you just know that it's over, it's over for you. And you're not going to be able to go back from that. Wow. You know, and Tweety Bird doesn't want that from you. Tweety Bird knows that you love him. 
Is Tweety Bird a boy or a girl? I'm not really sure we've established that as a society, but I I don't think it matters anymore. (laughs) But if it's your whole personality to the point where you've got to have it on your body permanently, I'm just going to say, look in the mirror, check yourself. Wow. Ask your friends and family if your Tweety Bird obsession has caused them pain. Mm. So you kind of like intervention, intervene yourself. Yeah. Have an intervention and be like, your Tweety Bird obsession has hurt me in the following ways. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) You did it come to my high school graduation. That was really mean. I just was making fun of people at interventions. Why? Um, but just don't do that. Right. <laughs> don't right. make us do that. But yeah, look. Putting all of us in a weird spot. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Do you have any uh, final words on Tweety Bird? Or softwood? Um, I maybe should follow my own advice because I was literally about to get a tattoo related to softwood. Mm. And I'm wondering if maybe that's too far. I was going to get um, 1,000 mushes <laughs> on my ass. <laughs> 1,000 on one cheek and you know, and I'm now wondering if maybe it won't make sense. Yeah. You know, to anyone who gets to see my butt and they might go, oh. Yeah. No what less that than mean? 200. Is that how many partners you've had? <laughs> <laughs> I got to think about that. <laughs> but it, yeah. it might be cool to have like a plank on like your forearm or your leg or something and you can push it. Yeah. And be like, and it's like an instant demonstration. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, you want to see what it feels like? That's what it's like. I feel like that would maybe be my boob more. No, no. Softwood isn't I'm like softwood. (laughs) Isn't that soft. (laughs) It might be more like the, the meat of your forearm. Meat of your forearm. Love it. Now everyone at home will get to know exactly what it's like. Yeah. Well, thank you for so much for coming thank on and so much. breaking all this down. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of demand for me to talk about this topic. But again, I came to you because I knew that you would be fair. I appreciate that. And by fair, I mean you would not not question me in any way. Nope. Just enable and see what else there is. Yep. Nod. (laughs) Nod along. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. In the episode description, you can find links to follow me, today's guest, and force opinions on social. For updates, clips, and graphics based on the episodes, follow Forced Opinions Podcast on Instagram. And while you're there, please feel free to DM ideas for me to use in future episodes. I'm excited to see what you all submit.